Welcome back to There Are Three of Me. I'm Gabrielle Lawson, Philippe de Lamatroc, and Ina Corio. Those are my pen names. And I have been talking about NaNoWriMo, and I'm a little late in getting in my last report on it. So, NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month, and it happens in November, which is maybe not the best time for it. <laughs> we got, at least in America, we got Thanksgiving to do, and that's a kind of a big holiday here, and so you're like still doing all this writing while this big holiday is happening. And then there's the Black Friday shopping and all that stuff, <laughs> which NaNoWriMo did take a hit in my Black Friday obsession. We don't shop much for things like we buy on Black Friday any other time of the year because the prices. The prices are the best this time of the year. So if we need a new video, we want a new video game. You don't need new video games. If we want a new video game that's come out, we wait to see if it's going to get discounted at Black Friday, for example. So, well, here's another example. I'm talking to you on my new phone. It's a Google Pixel 7. This is the top of the line Google Pixel right now. The newest. Well, I suppose there's a Google Pixel 7 Pro. That's okay. So it's just one down from the top of the line. Now, we had decided looking at our, we're with T-Mobile, and we looked at T-Mobile's trade-ins, and we're like, you know, we can hang on to our phones for another year. We both had Google Pixel 3a uh, 5Gs. And then my husband saw on Google's Black Friday offers. <laughs> Ridiculous trade-in offers. So I think I paid 400-something down, which was already a discount for this phone. But when I send them back my Google Pixel 3a 5G, they're going to send me a refund, and my total cost for the Google Pixel 7 is $174. Like I said, ridiculous. Best time of the year to buy things that you want any other time of the year. Hold on, wait till this time. So normally, I am a bargain hunting fiend. And I go through all the Black Friday ads and I find the best price at the best day and all that stuff. And instead, my husband had to do that this year <laughs> because I was writing, thinking about writing and feeling like I didn't have time for things. So that's the downside of NaNoWriMo happening in November, at least in the United States. Um... I did only have a three-day work week, Thanksgiving week, which was nice, which afforded me some time to do something else I wasn't going to do till after NaNoWriMo was over. You see, I walk around everywhere. Well, I don't walk around, but, you know, when I go to work, when I go shopping, when I go wherever, I take with me this second bag. I got a little purse, and I have this other bag. I have arthritis in my... CMC joint of my thumb, that's the part of your thumb that's closest to your wrist, and my wrist on my right hand. So I have a CMC splint, and I have a wrist splint. It's difficult to wear them at the same time, so I decide which one I need the most, and I wear that one. The other one lives in that bag in case I have to swap. 
my um, headache medicine. I get migraines, and I'm on some migraine medicine. That actually is doing quite well for me. And, But I kept my migraine medicine in my bag, because you never know when you're going to have a headache or where you're going to be when you have a headache. So they were in that bag. I have a mask hack, so I could wear the mask without putting it on my ears. It goes behind my hair, under you know, behind my neck. And in order to not pull down on the mask, it has a, uh, that one's a stretchy material behind my neck. In order to not pull down, it has a ribbon that goes across the top of my head like a headband. And the buttons where those two things meet is where I hook my masks. And I had an original one that I had made, and then I had lost it when I was making my next generation of masks. And they had larger, um, wider elastic. And so I thought I'd lost it. I quickly made another one with different buttons that worked better with the wider elastic. So I often kept those in there, you know, whichever mask I'd get, first generation, thinner, thinner um, elastic, I would wear the original, and thicker elastic, I would wear the, the newer one. So things like that, things that don't actually have any value to anybody else but me. My necessities bag, as I call it, something ladies might need to take to the restroom with them, was in that bag. Um, yeah, so not, not things of value, and yet somebody stole it from our truck when we were shopping at Aldi's. So fortunately, I was wearing a mask. I was wearing one hack, and I was wearing my thumb sprint, splint, so I had that, but the bag and everything else was stolen. And the bag itself was kind of nice. It was only like something Walmart uh, brought out on um, curbside delivery with it, but it was not a normal Walmart bag. It was the size and shape of a gift bag, and it was sturdy plastic. It was not paper. It was not thin. It was It was sturdy and with uh, ribbon handles, really sturdy ribbon handle, uh, not ribbon handles, just woven handles, fabric. And that was the bag because it was nice and sturdy. I kept some Reese's Pieces in there. I might throw other things in there. If I'm carrying around my purse and I don't want to carry around my black bag, as I call it, it's a wristlet from my phone, but it also holds some cards. So I could go shopping even without the purse. <laughs> I might stick that in there. And my husband apparently left the truck open and that was stolen. What I also kept in there was my badge for work. Now in June, I failed to give myself a perm. I'd done it two, three years before every year successfully, but this time I failed and I got that new job in July and I had this badge with flat, no curl hair and I didn't like that but that was stolen along with the bag. So I decided to not wait until December and <laughs> permed my hair during that long weekend from work. That takes hours, <laughs> hours. So I did manage to do that even though I had to write. So that's a long, irrelevant story. But the downside of NaNoWriMo was 
the pressure of, I have to write, made me feel like I didn't have time to do other things. And I've mentioned that before. But I did have time to do some things, like perm my hair. I orchestrated Thanksgiving dinner, seeing my husband works for a company um, as a, an, a, an, a fund accountant. And the funds he works on are out of, out of Luxembourg. He gets Luxembourg's holidays, so he didn't get to take Thursday, November 24th off. He had to work. He did get off early, so he did help me toward the end. But I orchestrated the entire meal. And what I try to do is plan everything so I know exactly what temperature the oven's going to be set to, when does the bird go in, when does the green bean casserole go in, when do, do you know, the other thing, the, the stuffing go in, whatever, these other things, and which ones are going in the, the toaster oven, which ones are going in the big oven, which ones are going in the microwave oven, and the idea is that they all get done at the same time. And it worked for everything except my pie. <laughs> my pie did take longer, but hey, that's dessert. That's fine. You eat all the other food before you eat dessert, so it was fine. I managed to do that. I managed to plan it on Wednesday night, and I managed to do it on Thursday day and still do the writing. Now, the positives of NaNoWriMo. And I've spoken about that here, showing it taught me that I can have some level of discipline with my writing and still produce words. I used to think that I couldn't because you never know when you're going to actually be able to write something. You know, I don't want to be saying, oh, I have to write from 10 to 12 and then not write anything because nothing came to mind. But... I did it, and I did it with three different stories and three different fandoms. Sometimes two different fandoms on the same night because I finished one chapter of story one before I finished my words for the night. So I just went right to the next story, story number two, and started writing. <laughs> and it showed me I can do it. I, sh I knew I couldn't do it with short stories because it takes time to decide what the story is, where it stops, where it starts, and then the writing. So I need time to I need time to find the story. But for something I already had in progress, the three works in progress, it did work. So would I want to keep a daily writing time going forward? No. Would I keep three days a week? Maybe. That might be doable. It would give me the other four days to think, to imagine, to figure out where those short stories go. And still produce words on the other three days. So, it shows me that discipline can work. Now I've got to make it customized to fit me and what I want to write. So, did I win my NaNoWriMo? Yes. I set my goal of 36,000 words. I ended with, on midnight, at mid, actually a few minutes before midnight, on November 30th, with 36,556 words. 
I, there was only one day. It was uh, September. And it was November 29th, and it was because of the phone I'm holding in my hand that I did not meet my goal for the day. I was 127 words short because I spent too long playing with my brand new Pixel 7. <laughs> so I only had an hour to write almost 1,200 words. I was a little ahead from the night before, but still, it was. I came up short. And I felt kind of bad about it, but I did some typing, which gained after midnight, and it gave me some, gained me some more words, plopped those in there, so I knew what I had to do on the 30th, and not only did I write, I kind of got in the zone and kept writing, uh, even after I'd passed the words I needed, I just kept writing to the end of the scene, and 36,556. I surpassed my goal before midnight on November 30th. So would I do it again? Maybe not in November. I think they have some other things at different times of the year um, that you can do. And would I do 50,000 words? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't feel that I got the fanfare from NaNoWriMo, the website, for finishing my goal because it was a custom goal. I did get a badge that I won my goal, but that's it. No, you won NaNoWriMo. And I even got an email from them saying, well, you didn't write 50,000 words, but you did write. I wasn't ever planning on 50,000 words. So they should have congratulated me on making my goal, not theirs. So I'm a little miffed at that. So because I'm miffed at that, would I go for the 50000 next time so I could get my fanfare? I don't know. There were times I struggled with 1,200 words a night. I'm busy and have other things to do. I work 40 hours a week. I do Uber on the weekends to make some extra money. Um, I still, it's been very cold and I haven't switched out my winter clothes yet. I'm still wearing my summer clothes. I mean, it's not shorts and stuff, but still, I have sweaters and turtlenecks and all this stuff that is still in a bag under my bed because I haven't switched summer and winter clothes because I had to write. So would I make it harder for me next November? I don't know. It might be something I really have to spend the year considering. Um, I don't mind the experience, but I do want to be equally celebrated for my personal goal that I set. 50,000 words is 1,667 words a day. That is 467 more than I set myself. It's not a terrible lot, but I picked 1,200 words a day as a compromise. I thought 1,000 words a day might be too easy. There's no challenge. I need a little challenge. And 
1,500 words or 1,667 words seemed like maybe more chance of failure. So I'd compromise and put it somewhere in the middle, and I kind of put up a calculator and put in uh, how many, you know, words I'm deciding on per day times 30 and came up with 1,236,000. 1,200 seemed a bit more of a challenge than 1,000, but it wasn't quite the challenge that 16,667 would be. So some days I wrote 1,700 words. Some days I wrote 1,400 words. Some days I wrote... 700 because I had the 700 something because I had built up the day before such a surplus that I didn't need 1200 to reach the day's goal. So I don't know. I'd have, I'd really have to consider it. It might be a lot, but maybe if I'm only writing one story come next year instead of three, um, maybe I know when I was writing Osvianchim, every time my brain didn't have to be on something else, I was in grad school at the time. <laughs> my brain was in that story. And I was writing like a fiend. I temped on the weekends, which or on Mondays and Fridays, which meant I didn't have to do a lot of work. It was like clerical, it's like being a receptionist. And there wasn't a lot of work. <laughs> On Monday, uh, Mondays and Fridays, the idea is probably taking over for somebody who's taking a long weekend. And a lot of times I took my writing with me and I was writing at the job. And as the story neared the ending, I stopped doing my homework and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I wrote 189,000 words in a year. So... Yeah, if I'm really into a story and it's one story and I can just pour it all into that, I could probably do NaNoWriMo, 50,000 words, with one arm tied behind my back. <laughs> yes, but I think it's pretty amazing doing 36,000 over three stories in three different fandoms. That's three separate sets of characters, universes, settings... Plots, everything. Everything is different for these three people and these three stories. Two of them have traditional length chapters, which might be 3,000 to 7,000 words. And Momentous has the shorter chapters, might be 2,300 occasional 700s or 7,000s. But Fortunately, Momentous was in a place where it was right at the end of the game. So I had a lot of things and a lot of um, to to pull from the game itself. And I had a lot of things already thought up for what's going to happen at this point. So I was able to easily write those three chapters, I believe, that I wrote of Momentous. Am I, do I feel like the stuff I wrote during NaNoWriMo is my top of the line stuff? <laughs> I, 
I have my doubts. Being that I'm not generally a draft writer, you know, the idea of NaNoWriMo is get a first draft of a novel. So I could consider this drafting, but I don't really draft much. Very rare and seems to be only with short stories that I regularly do it with these bucky short stories. But with the long whips that I'm doing, I don't draft. But did I go for words rather than quality words? I don't know. It did get better tweaked when I typed. Um, there are times that I did just knock out a whole bunch of words and saying, nope, that well, it counts as my words for NaNoWriMo because it was draft. But, because, but I wrote all this, you know, like three, four paragraphs for Hoshi. And then I'm like, no, that's more of an outline. So it was more like an outline than a chapter. It was a lot of telling and not showing. So I went ahead and started the chapter again. Started with a scene actually with Malcolm. And when I got back to Hoshi, I'd flip back to those three or four paragraphs and go, okay, this is where I'm going to show what is in here. This is my, this is my roadmap, but I'm going to show. And so I wrote scenes that did more showing. I don't feel like, I don't feel like they're bad scenes, bad chapters, but I don't feel like they're going to be the strongest chapters of the stories, except maybe momentous. <laughs> um, they're going to be some of the most powerful of momentous. Because if you've played the game, you know, the end of the game is when Noctis dies. <laughs> and this is what... Ignis got to foresee in a vision, and now he's blind, but I, I basically took Ignis's point of view through the end of the game, through the royal package end of the game, and then to the point of Noctis dying, and just beyond it. So, and that just beyond it, and uh, the point where Noctis dies and they can't access the armature anymore. I had planned that. I had imagined that so many times that it just kind of wrote itself. I knew what would happen. And it changed even a little in the writing, but only a little. So when I get that typed up, it's going to be, well, actually that chapter is already typed up and posted. I am way behind in the typing, way behind. Um, well, I'm not as behind as I was. I'm typing up each day's writing in separate files and then copying them into the whole chapter. So can I, that's how I could tell if I gained words in the typing. So if it said it was 984, but I typed up for that day and I get 1,230, then I've got a gain. And I would get, put that in my add, you know, add those words into my NaNoWriMo stats. So technically I've got 28 more than 36,556 because I did type part of it. And at the end of each page in the notebook, I had the total for that page. And so the type part that I typed up was exactly to the bottom of that page. And I gained 28 words in the typing of that page.
So, it's not the total of the page, it's the cumulative total of all the pages. That's what it was. So if I was, you know, I only had a quarter of the page to start with, maybe I only got 54 words, turn the page, and I got 300 more, then it's 354 at the bottom of the next one, example. Okay. So any, either way, it was that I stopped typing at the end of a page and gained 28 words over that. It was an, it's been an interesting experience and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad to learn that I can write with discipline. Um, I've always felt myself, and I had a whole episode about my contrariness, I've always feel myself as like a contrary writer. <laughs> I don't write with any frameworks in mind. I don't think about every scene must have a purpose. Every, every scene must have a conflict or, or, you know, stuff like this. I don't have any musts, except that I put on myself, like... Um, with Osvanchim, I decided that of all Bashir's camp friends, only one would live and everyone else would die, everyone in a different way, to show the many ways you could die in Auschwitz. So, even in a serious story, you might have some gimmicks like that. And in The Path Not Taken, I, have, I was five chapters in and never once had Bucky Barnes' point of view. And I realized this is a, this story said, no, we're not doing his point of view. You can't pop his point of view in five story, five chapters in. So it made it interesting, limiting to four points of view. And none of them the main character. But that meant when I got to Age of Ultron, I wrote that movie... <laughs> in two chapters. I covered Age of Ultron in two chapters. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just in that, you know, in the movie part, it's mainly Tony, Steve, and Natasha's point of view because Sam is back in the tower with Bucky. So, <laughs> there'd be chosen moments that I go to Sam, or to, uh, Natasha or Tony or or Steve so I got to pick and choose the points that mattered for my story and other things still happened they just happened off screen and with momentous I did use dialogue exactly as it was in the in the game when it when I used it in Age of Ultron, I didn't. I changed it up in subtle ways. So everything that is said is still the, the gist of what was said, but not exact. Because this isn't an exact telling of Age of Ultron, because even if the things that Steve is doing over in Sokovia are exactly the same as in the movie, he's thinking about Bucky now and then. That we don't know that he was during that movie. He was focused. When 
Pietro dies in the movie, you don't know really how it affects Steve. Steve does arrive just after. He does carry Pietro's body to the boat, and he put he puts him down on the ground. We see him go back, and he's fighting. You know, he's looking, checking for scragglers. He's doing something. He jumps onto the uh, to the carrier just in time as the the city starts to fall. We don't know how he felt about that, but I wrote his feelings about that. It, it bothered him because he hasn't lost anyone since. In in you know these in their missions in their fights since Bucky, when he lost Bucky off the mountain and he thought he died. So it brought that pain back of losing Bucky when he lost Pietro. And it made him kind of, at least in his mind, connect with Wanda because he, he gets her grief. So it could only, Bucky could only Bucky being in the tower could only tangentially affect the things that happen in Age of Ultron. So not much change happened. When I get to Civil War, a lot more will change because Bucky is in the tower and Tony knows about him killing his parents and has forgiven him because he knows that Bucky was forced. So he doesn't hold him responsible. So all the things that Zemo is going to try to do, because Zemo doesn't know any of that. He's still going to try to do the things he did, but he's not going to draw Bucky out because Bucky's still in the tower. He's not in Romania on his own. So that's going to be a much different movie in my story because it's not just going to be subtle dialogue changes here and there because a lot changes from that movie with Bucky being in the tower. For one thing, T'Challa's not going to be trying to kill him. Oh, he'll want to right at first, but Tony's going to talk, tell him, well, that wasn't Bucky Barnes. That wasn't James Buchanan Barnes who, who killed your father. How do you know? Because see that guy in the video? He's got two arms. I removed that arm last year, or I removed the, that left arm three months ago. Because Bucky only has one arm. Buck, Tony's deciding, you know, now that he's helping Bucky get the arm off, and I have been writing that. I did write that. I haven't typed it up yet um, during NaNoWriMo. Um, it's going to be much trickier to make the arm. Because he's not a bioengineer, and Bruce Banner is nowhere to be found. Because the Hulk took off at the end of Age of Ultron. So he doesn't have Banner to help make that arm. It is bioengineering because I've said, I don't know if it's canon, that there's still some of his shoulder on the inside of that shoulder of that arm. And we see in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when he's in the chair, 
it goes up over his shoulder and part of his chest to his underarm. And it looks terrible at the confluence there of skin to metal, like it was very, very traumatic. He's scarred. This is a guy who heals very fast, and that's scarred. It's a guy who survived falling off a mountain, and this scarred. So this was not an easy thing to attach that metal to his skin. So the foundation in there is going to be his bones and some nerves, and the nerves are what allowed the movement to be just like an arm because he still had the top of his shoulder. Everything, everything from about six inches down was ripped off by the mountain, and we see in flashbacks in The Winter Soldier that they are putting a saw in about three inches. So there's a small amount, or up to six inches. They might have cut things away from his arm, but left those nerves and some other things. Um, so... Yeah, I'm positing there's some arm in there. There's some actual human pieces still in that shoulder, and so that's going to be a lot trickier. And Tony has built amazing suits, but they don't move like people unless there's a person inside them. So he's got to think very differently about this arm. And he's really reluctantly impressed by what Zola was able to do in the 1940s and later when they had to replace it after, uh, replace half of it after um, Isaiah Bradley ripped off half of it. It's really amazing piece of technology. We don't get to really see the technolo technological wonder of it, but... We know that Sebastian Stan just basically put his arm in a sleeve that looked like that. With a lot of KY jelly, apparently. That helps him get his arm all the way down in there. But <laughs> he, he talks about that in interviews. But what it meant in Storyverse is that arm was stronger than the rest of him, and he's a super soldier. Stronger than that. And it moves just like an arm of a human being. There are people right now who are amputees that would love to have the kind of prosthetic that Bucky Barnes has. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's not the case. So I'm going to make it that it's kind of tough for Tony to make. And so he's actually still going to get an arm from Wakanda eventually. All right, so enough about that. We were talking about NaNoWriMo. But anyway, you see, my brain has already got things going on in these stories that I was writing. So that helped in going from one story to the next to the next. With whips, it would have been much harder with short stories. I did try at the beginning. I did have one short story I wrote at the beginning because I think I was taking turns before NaNoWriMo. And it would be... Finding Home, which is Star Trek Enterprise. Momentous, Final Fantasy XV. The Path Not Taken, MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Bucky Barnes, 
AU, alternate universe story, and then it would be a short story. Actually, I think it was the short story and then the path not taken. And so I was actually, so when I started, I was writing a short story called that I eventually titled A Tale of Two Cats and Other Stories. And so that one, I was already in the works. It was already in my brain, decided where it starts, where it ends. So I could write it. But when I came back around to that one after Momentous, and I had the pressure of, I need 1,200 words today. I didn't have another story in mind. I have some ideas still floating around there, still simmering on pots in the, on the back burners, but nothing solid. And when you got to produce 1,200 words, you need some solidity. So I decided I couldn't do the short story series during NaNoWriMo. Now that NaNoWriMo is over, I'm going to be thinking about the next short story in that series. I don't know how many it's going to have. I don't know everything I want to do with it, but I know there's a really big one that I want to do, and it's going to be like the best day ever for Bucky Barnes. And I got the idea when I was listening to a Bucky Barnes 40s playlist on Spotify. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, it's just going to be really nice. I do know that I need the other lawyer's stuff to get done. We've got the one who was going after Hydra's money, but Pepper, um, in amends, Pepper gave him two cards. She hired two lawyers. One, it was going after his military benefits. So that one still has to come into play. I did just give him a kitten named Alpine. For those who are comic book fans, Bucky Barnes in the comics, the Winter Soldier has a cat named, a white cat, named Alpine. So there are actual um, frames of him sitting with his arm getting worked on by Tony, and there's a white cat in his lap. It's wonderful. I'm not a big comic book fan, but I did read this one um, story. My husband showed it to me so I could read it, and... I got to see the kitty cat. And that's what I wanted with Bucky Barnes and a kitty cat. I wanted to see that. <laughs> so I am glad that I did it. I'm glad I found out I can do some discipline. I'm going to do it my way. But I am going to add some discipline into the whole mix. And I have found out that I needed a break. I should have started catching up all that typing last night. It's December 1st, right? I don't have to write. I needed to type, and I didn't. I worked on setting all my playlists and my music app on my phone. It didn't carry them over from one phone to the other. It carried the music, just not the playlists. So I had to build all the playlists, and I didn't type. And today, we watched some Star Trek Lower Decks. That was quite fun. We were only going to watch a couple episodes, and I saw the thumbnail of Deep Space Nine. 
two episodes down. So I'm like, we've got to watch those two episodes because <laughs> I got to see DS9. And it was great. Nana Visitor, his voice was in there. It sounded like Armin Shimmerman was in there too, or somebody who sounds a lot like him. And it was just, this. the drawing was great. As you, <laughs> as they circled around the pylons pretending to be odd, <laughs> the DS9 theme would play, and the, the station was just beautifully, beautifully drawn. Perfect. The, the wormhole opening, it was just like, oh, that took me back. And Kira was running the station because Cisco's in the wormhole. They didn't have Dr. Bashir, darn it, but they did have Quark and Kira. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, so I did that instead, and my composition books are st sitting right over here on my desk waiting to be typed. I guess I needed a break. But I'd say overall, the positives outweigh the negatives. And I'm glad I did it, but I'm also happy it's over. Because I've got other things to do. Really got to change over to my winter clothes this weekend. That needs to happen. <laughs> um, so that's it for this episode, I think. I don't know what I'm going to do for more of the season. Will I just have season 9 be these few episodes about NaNoWriMo, or will I do something else? I am not sure at this point. Um, I do have some poetry I could read. These are not fan fiction poetry. It's just poetry. So I could do that. I don't write poetry all the time. And if I did it, I'd probably read some of my old poetry that I wrote when I was a child, when I was in high school, when I was in college. And then the ones I feel that God gave me. Um, they're very different. I don't think the ones before were necessarily bad. But the ones God gave me were, to me, wow. <laughs> and if I do that, I'll talk about what I mean by I feel like God gave them. Um... Yeah, that might be a plan. I don't really have a lot else to read that is done that's not fan fiction. Um, a writing exercise, if I can still find the paper that I did with a writing group here in town. I only went twice. The first time I went was fine because there was only a few people and this was the height of the pandemic, you know, and the next time I went it was like 30 people and we were very close and I didn't and many people were not wearing masks and I did not feel comfortable and I never went back. Um, I'm in a writing group now that meets over the phone and occasionally goes to a performance of a play or musical. And we can talk about the writing of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, do that. Um, Yeah, I don't know what else to do. I will say one other thing. I think I've talked about Blurb before. There are other services like Blurb, like Lulu, and um, a few others that you can get stories published in book form. Um, I use 
blurb because they have a software called BookWrite that I can put on my computer and I can take my time building my book the way I want it to look. I can preview my book and I can see the cover. I can, I can do all the pages and I like that. And generally they're not that expensive. Um, I don't do it to make profit. I don't sell these books. I put them on my bookshelf and I got a new one. So I now have four books from Blurb on my bookshelf and maybe I'll tell you about them right now if I haven't before. I think I have because I had one to give away, which I did finally give away to one of the people in my, um, my writing group after a, or before actually a, um, Star Trek, uh, uh, Shakespeare in the Park version of Romeo and Juliet. Okay, so I have one that is Star Trek Enterprise, Alien Us, by Philippe de la And it is almost an inch wide. <laughs> and 400 were, uh, uh, pages long. I have Ospienchim, which is almost an inch wide. And these are six, um, six, six inches by nine inches in size. And this includes the, uh, the X-Files epilogue, which doesn't have page numbers. So the end of the appendix for Osby and Chim is on page 327, but then we have the X-Files epilogue after that, so there's a few more pages in it. I have Star Trek Deep Space Nine, if it's not one thing, which is a little bit more than a half an inch, maybe. And it is in... It's like a regular book. It has back pages that aren't don't have anything on them. Um, 234 pages long. But my newest one is Star Trek Deep Space Nine Healer and Other Stories by Gabrielle Lawson. So this is all of my Deep Space Nine short stories and Valerie's one because the Doctor is a sequel to it. So the back of my book, it's a thinner book. It's only about a little bit more than a quarter inch. In fact, the, the spine was so narrow that I couldn't even put anything on the spine. So I kind of missed that. I'd like to have, you know, at least, you know, the title and my name on there. But the back of it says, Gabrielle Lawson is well known for her novel-length stories, but here she shows she has a talent for short fiction as well. In Healer, we return to Teplon 3 for the occasion of Trevian's death and witness the changes in the people, the hope they have for their children, though the blight remains for them. In first consideration, Gabrielle acknowledges a cliched plot of a runabout crash, but then takes us through Bashir's devotion to the Hippocratic Oath. In The Exile, Valerie Shearer gives us a look at what might have happened after Dr. Bashir, I presume, and Gabrielle and the Doctor lets us see how that worked out in favor of Bashir. In, oh my gosh, I found a typo on the back cover. <laughs> My husband said, make sure it didn't have any typos. Well, no, there aren't any on the inside, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, I have a typo on the back cover. Guess that means I have to print another one. <laughs> so anybody want this one? <laughs> Give it away for free. 
In Welcome Home, Gabrielle fixes an issue with the ending of By Inferno's Light. O'Brien's teasing that he liked the Changeling better than Bashir. Dax gives him the welcome he needed. And in a clever plan, Sloane visits again after the end of the Dominion War, but this time Dr. Bashir may, have, may just have the upper hand. And the word welcome in, in Welcome Home, in my title, Welcome Home, is spelled wrong probably because I had Malcolm... Yeah, on in my brain, so I spelled it W E L C O L M instead of W E L C O M E. <laughs> Oops. And that is written in some bigger font. Um, this one is made in bigger font, and it's 110 pages long. So either way, it's kind of cool to have these on my bookshelf. I think the next one I'm going to do is the Faith Trilogy in one book. That's going to be massive. It's going to be well over an inch, I'm pretty sure. It's going to be massive. But I only have one cover, so I'm going to do it like um, when you buy the Lord of the Rings as one book. You can buy the Lord of the Rings trilogy in three books, but you can also buy it in one. And so this is going to be like that. It's going to be three in one. So it's going to be the whole Faith trilogy. I could also do Close to Home, So Far Away, my Angel Story, because it has a cover. If I'm going to do a book, it really needs to have a cover. And with my short stories, the only one that really did was Healer. So it doesn't make sense to put a short story itself in a book. But I could group them. So I can put all of these in a book. And I used the same cover, I believe, for... Well, yeah, the picture isn't on the the stories title pages in the inside, um, just on the outside of the book. Anna Coriel's stories do have covers that I've made. So, because I could use screen prints from The Lord of the Rings, so that made it easy. Or The Hobbit. Um, so, if I made those, I could put separate covers on the inside. Again, one story would be too narrow to make a book, but the eight stories together just might make a thin book like this. So, blurb, Lulu, I'm sure there are others out there. If you have stories of a good size um, and a cover, it's really nice to have a copy you can put on your bookshelf and feel like, yeah, I'm an author. <laughs> Maybe I'm not published in this in the professional sense but I'm holding my book in my hands and that is a really neat feeling so that is kind of cool so every one of these stories that are in, you know in book form here that I have I've read into this podcast because they are complete I do think I am nearing the end of Finding Home, and if I do finish it soon, I could read that into Season 9. So, I've got some options. I'll just have to think about it and see. Otherwise, uh, we'll probably go back on hiatus, so if you don't hear anything from me for a little while, I decided not to, but I think if I don't have anything else, I just might do the poetry. You'd be hearing a different side of me. Um, I haven't written a poem in quite a while. 
but that doesn't mean I don't have some good poetry to read. So that might be interesting. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up tonight. And I hope that uh, any of you writers out there who are thinking of doing NaNoWriMo would not be put off by anything I've said, but maybe encouraged to give it a shot. And even if you don't do the 50,000, pick your own goal, do it, you won't get the fanfare, but you know, you can still meet your own goal and that is its own satisfaction. I was able to get all of the um, milestone badges on NaNoWriMo's website, except for making par every day, which I don't know if they mean 1,667 words or 1,200 words as necessary. Um, but there were days when I didn't because I'd already gained before. So <laughs> I, you know, I didn't get that one, but I got all the others, which are things like um, that you did your first, let's see, you did your first day, that you, you updated your writing progress, you did your first day update, your second day update, you reached your halfway point, you got a streak by doing two in a row, three days in a row, seven days in a row, 14 days in a row, 21 days in a row, um, that you got your first 1,667 words, your 5,000 5, words, 10,000 words, 25,000 words, and whether you updated your progress every day and achieved your goal for your writing project. So I earned that badge. That's as much fanfare as I got, <laughs> but I did earn that badge. So I did it. I made my goal. So I give myself a little fanfare for that. The NaNoWriMo didn't, but um, it was overall a good experience. Um, yeah. So I might do it again next year. I might do only a thousand words, so I feel like I have a little more time. A thousand words a, a day, so 30,000. Um, I still wouldn't get the fanfare at the end, but it would make me write. Um, or I might go for the whole thing. Yeah, I've got a year to figure it out, and that's the way it is going to be. So I am now on Mastodon. That is where I have decided to go as opposed to Twitter. I gave up Twitter, and now I'm on Mastodon. My instance is called Mast.to. It was just one of the few, like, 20 or so choices you could choose Um when you start up. I would like to find one that is more about writing or creativity. Um, so if you know of an instance that I could maybe switch to, that'd be great. But otherwise, I'm on mass.to and my handle is inhildi. So at inhildi, I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I, same as it was on Twitter. And you can toot me you toot instead of tweet with Mastodon. So you can toot me on Mastodon. Or you can email me if you'd like on inhildi at gmail.com. Again, that's I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I. I would love to hear from you. And if you would like a copy of a slightly typoed um, 
healer and other stories by Gabrielle Lawson simply for the sake of, for the price of postage I would probably give that away I've got a coupon to get another one printed for myself I do like to have as perfect a copy as I can on my shelf um, my husband might be a little chagrin but the hey this only cost like fourteen dollars when I printed it so it wasn't that bad um, yeah <laughs> typo yeah, if it's not one thing, had a typo on the cover, and I printed another one, yeah, and gave away the the flawed copy. So, yeah, I'll offer it. Um, yeah, nice little, nice little book here with fairly large print of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven short stories in the Deep Space Nine fandom. All right. Until next time, however long it may be. Bye.